morning. It's a pleasure. Um, so, uh, let's see here. I thought I had something to say. Side note, but I'm going to just, if it comes to me, I'll let you know. But I am preaching on keep contending. I almost wrote down, don't stop believing. Then I was like, oh my gosh, that's going to be corny because that's a song and everybody's going to think I'm just stealing from that song. So I'm going to start about talking about a small town girl. <laughs> You're a bunch of heathens, you know that song? And a city boy. You got to help me out here. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, all right. She ain't, she's proud, whoever that was. Um, no, so I went with keep contending, so we didn't get confused where we were. Um, but maybe we, next Sunday we could do, maybe we could do like karaoke Sunday and Nathan Miller could lead the charge on that, huh? I hear he's pretty good at karaoke. <laughs> All right. Maybe one Sunday we'll get that, that joy. All right, he shook his head yes. All right, good. All right. Um, keep contending. You know, I was, this morning I was sitting there, I'm going to just brag on my, my little daughter right now, my I didn't share what I was, I, w- I didn't share anything, what I was talking about today. And we were, she, she came with me, and so I was praying, had some worship music on. And she goes, Daddy, you know, maybe you could tell them when you start out. So I'm going to tell you this starting out. She goes, maybe you could say we all have the same grandfather. I was like, okay. And who's that? Well, Abraham. Abraham's, we all share Abraham as our grandfather. I was like, that's a great idea, because you know what I'm talking about today is Abraham. Isn't that amazing? So we were sitting there, and I'm kind of meditating and praying, and I'm like, she heard God. She did. So she wanted you guys to all know that. Our kids, they're awesome. All of our kids, I mean, in our church. We have, Dave said last Sunday we had 100 kids in our ministries. 100, 100. We're going to have more kids than adults in this place. <laughs> getting out, it's getting out of control, guys. <laughs> Just kidding. We are blessed. Amen. I'm going to speak about keep contending. Um, this came from a moment a couple weeks ago. I felt like God spoke to me and he said, don't forget the things I've put in your heart. And you know how it is when you get busy with life. You've, if you got, you wake up, you go to work, you got, you come home, you have kids. It's like when in the day am I supposed to think about the dreams? And some of you are past all that stage, but so just from my perspective, it was like God was reminding me: there's things I put in your heart, and I don't want you to forget them, and I want you to begin to contend for them again. And like I said, I, I went with contend. But I don't want it to get confused that we have to fight our way in the flesh. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But I feel like God wants, God is looking for people that will believe the impossible. They had some amazing songs that just, I was like, yeah, I don't even know if to preach after these songs. But God has chosen to work through us. And he's waiting for some people to believe some crazy things. Hear me out. He wants you to believe some crazy things because he works through our faith to bring it to pass in this earth. And I just, I felt like 
I mean, for me, I have dreams, and I've had prophetic words that, I've, that I have that, that are rolling around, I've written down, and I felt like God, remind, he just, in that moment, he brought all those back to my remembrance, right? And I don't know if you have some prophetic words. Do you have dreams, like crazy dreams? Maybe you have a dream of your child's not following Jesus. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe There's things like that that you, we need to contend for, too. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope in those things. We have a God that can revive the dead. We have a God who does the impossible. Like that, it can switch. And I, I believe that God wants us to not give up on those things. So I, wanna, I want you to encourage you. I want to release hope today in your heart to believe for impossible things. Just crazy, unusual absolutely nuts things. I want you to believe those things. And I want you to believe God for the small things that we call small, but they're significant to our life. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's, maybe you don't have a spouse and you're looking for one. Listen, don't give up. God has these answers for you. He has what you're looking for. Amen. So I want to, I just want to talk about Abraham and Sarah for a moment. When, when God said that to me, Abraham popped into my mind. And so I just want to read a couple things from their story. I'm not going to read the whole story. Actually, I'm going to read in Mark. You want to put that verse up, Mark 11? Let's just start with this verse. And you know this verse, I'm sure. Jesus replied, so, the, so our God said this to his disciples. He said, and he's saying it to us. He said, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. Whoever says to this mountain, we're just singing about this. Whoever says to this mountain with great faith and does not doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe. Listen, Jesus, your Savior, your Lord is saying this. He says, this reason I urge you. Boldly believe for whatever you ask in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. There's, there's a time frame in there. Be convinced that you receive it and it will be yours. Right there, there can be a little time frame. Who knows what I'm talking about? You're convinced, you see it, you can even be living it in your imagination, but it hasn't come to the physical world yet. But you believe that you're going to receive this. Hey, let's just pray, if not for you, for me, okay? God, we thank you, Lord, that you helped Sam today. God, we thank you for your word, that it is truth, that it is food for our spirits. So we thank you, Lord, that you are feeding us today. Lord, speak to us by the Holy Spirit, each heart, that we can walk away filled and full of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. In Genesis... Um, 12, chapter 12, is, it says, The call of Abraham in my Bible. This is the New Living Translation. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will bless you will, listen to this, listen to this promise, 
all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Now he said, leave all his relatives. So I think, to me, that's an error of way right there. We, 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 missed, we missed that. Now you, could, you might disagree, but let's go to the next thing. So Lot and, Lot and Abraham, they travel together, right? The first thing that happens is Abraham runs into a famine. So he goes and he runs into a famine. So it forced Abraham to go to Egypt. So Abraham is called. He says, I'm bringing you to land. He, does he get to the land? Well, he's traveling, but a severe. So the first thing that happens is a famine strikes after God called him to a land. Has anybody else ever felt that way? Like, okay, I, I did what you told me to do, but everything seemed to dry up when I got there. You know what I'm saying? What's up with that, God? And then in chapter 13, down in verse 14, now I didn't put all these verses up. You'll just have to trust me, I guess, or you got a Bible, right? It says, Genesis 13, 14, it says, after, so that they weren't getting along. They were getting too big. God had blessed them mightily. And their, their groups, the, the families were fighting and their servants were fighting. So it says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, I'm sorry, Abram, look as far as you can see. I am giving you this land as far as you can see to your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. For walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving to you. So Abraham, Abram, I apologize. Abram has moved his camp to Hebron. So the moment Lot leaves, then God speaks again. He says, now I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants as far as you can see, right? Northeast, I'm giving you all the land to you and your descendants, a permanent possession. I'm just reading the, ones, the places that God came and talked to spoke to Abram. And then in chapter 14, Abraham goes and kicks some people's butts, and they, the king of Sodom offers him all the money. He goes, hey, keep the money. He goes, no, no, no. Then you're going to say that you made me rich. I only want God to, God to get the credit. So he goes, I'm not taking nothing. And so here in chapter 15, God speaks again. And he says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abraham. I will protect you. And your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what, thing, what good things are all these blessings if I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, my servant will be jumping down to four. He says, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son. Your own son will be your heir. Chapter 16. Okay, you guys, are, you guys okay? We're just jumping. God spoke to him in every one of these chapters. Sarah came up with an idea. Yeah, exactly. Had a brilliant idea. Okay, this isn't working out. I'm getting old. Sleep with Hagar. 
my servant, and she, she'll produce a child for us. And, and she says this, The Lord has prevented me from having a child. Go and sleep with my servant, and I can have, a ch- and I can have children through her. And so Abraham, Abraham was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. <laughs> Not much pushback there, Abraham, come on. Um, so he did that. And then, so now they had the child, and Ishmael, it was kind of a disaster. It wasn't working out. They weren't getting along, right? So they get rid of those. I think they, they run them away, but then... They come back, right? So let's go to 17. You guys okay following me here? All right. So then in 17, Abraham was 99 years old at this point. Hagar had Ishmael when he was 86 years old. So what's that? 13 years later. God appears to Abram again. That's a long time. Do you think he knew he screwed up? Ninety-nine years old, the Lord, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you, by which I will guarantee you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground, Then God said to him, This is my covenant I will make with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name, and no longer you will be Abram. Instead, you'll be Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become become many nations, and kings will come come from them. I will confirm my covenant with you. And your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this everlasting covenant, I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you an entire land of Canaan, where you now live as foreigner. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. So then he says, tells them, this is your responsibility. Let's, let's jump over that so we all don't have to squirm, okay? Let's jump down. Talks about circumcision. You know, let's, we'll skip that real quick. 17, 17 here. He, well, 15, he says, Sarah, we're changing her name, Sarai, to Sarah. And I will bless her. And I will give you a son from her, he says. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she will become the mother of many nations. Now, this is what, this, I always thought that Abram and Sarah knew the whole plan. Like, I thought they kind of had it figured out, and they waited for 20-some years or more. But this is where I was reading it the other day, and I thought, I don't, I don't think they fully got it. In 17, then Abraham bowed down to the ground, get this, and he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become the father at the age of 100? He thought. He didn't say it out loud. God was standing there. He's bowing down before God. And then he thought, how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? And then he said out loud, may... May Ishmael live under your special blessing? So Abraham's, Abraham's trying to give God a good idea here. Do you, you hear that? He's doubting in his mind, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's laughing to himself. 
God himself is standing there giving him, saying, you will have a son, and Sarah is going to give birth to a son. And he goes, could Ishmael be the special, you know, could you bless him? And God says, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you, and you will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Then he says, Ishmael will be blessed, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about his time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abram. Okay, so that was a lot of verses. But I'm not a great storyteller, so I could have told that in story form, but I thought, I'm going to botch it. So I'm just going to read those verses to you, so you and I are on the same page, okay? The interesting thing that when God puts a dream in your heart, from this story and from many stories, the two questions that I see come up is how and when. People get tripped up with how and when all the time. But how is it going to happen? And when is it going to happen? And we, and we like to put a timeline on the dreams and the things we're believing for. We're like, okay, well, I'll give it a year. I need to see some results in a year. Like, I'm praying for my son. I'm praying for my daughter. I'm praying for that job. I'm praying for a spouse. But I need to see it in a year. Okay, at least give me a sign. You, maybe you go out and you throw the fleece out, and you're hoping some dew's on there and not on the grass. And you, you do things like that, right? You're looking for a sign. And, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, but why didn't God just, at the beginning, why didn't he give Abraham, Abram and Sarai, or however you say that, why didn't they just give him Isaac earlier on? And I want to, and the thing that came to me was, I believe the, the process of time, the point of the process of time is to change you. When you're praying and believing for something, Jer talked about vision last week. When you are praying and believing for something, the, one of the beautiful things that happens is that what you're focused on, you're pressing for, you're believing for, you're fully convinced of, that begins to change who you are. I heard a story of a pastor, and at a young age, he, his heart was torn for and hurting for kids in Africa and third world countries that would have parasites and all these different diseases like that. I, I, I can't remember all the different diseases that were bothering him. So at a young age, he began to pray. And he goes, God, send people to heal these, to, to you know, send medicine and to help these kids. And all of his life, he believed, he was believing for a change in that area. Well, now when he's 70 years old or older, he now has a ministry that has given $1 billion to fixing, that, fixing those problems, sending medicine. His ministry has done $1 billion into those countries through his ministries, through doctors and different things to fix parasites and the different things that he was praying for. But it took 50 years of him believing. See, he was standing for 50 years, and, and what he didn't know was that God was making him the answer to that solution. God was shaping him. God, what's taking so long? I'm shaping you. As you begin to believe and as you contend for the things that God has put in your heart, guess what? God's starting to make you the answer. Did I lose you there? 
That's one of the things that God's doing. And I know you're probably going, well, I mean, I don't know if that works for my situation. Why did it take so long for Abraham and Sarah to receive the promise? And I believe that God used their mistakes. Who knows we make mistakes? Who's made a mistake in here? God is a master at using your mistakes and to turn it around and to glorify him. The things, the dreams that he's put in your heart, maybe it was 20 years ago, maybe it was last year, you said, I made too many mistakes. God's a master at taking your mistakes and turning them around for his good. The dreams that he's put in your heart are not dead. God said it. God will do it. What God is looking for is a people, a per, one person, one person who will believe that he can do what he promised. In Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, the Bible says, I don't know if I'm going to read it or maybe I will. It says in verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised but they saw it from a distance. And they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. What struck me there was Abraham is the father of our faith, right? And, and God said, if you, if you will believe me and you will have faith, you will trust me, you'll believe my words, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Did that happen? It did happen. We're experiencing what Abraham believed for. We are fruit from Abraham's life. And I felt like God was saying, I've created, you, you can read the history but are you going to be a part of creating future history? Like, what are you going to believe for that generations from now will taste of what you believe for? That's what God was speaking to me. And I was just like, are we going to have faith? Come on. Listen to what Abraham believed God, that at 100 years old, he was going to get his wife pregnant. Talk about Mr. Cuckoo. Come on. 90 years old woman, 100 year old, and he, the Bible says that in Hebrews 4, although he laughed right there, it says in Hebrews 4, 4, I don't know if I have that verse. It says, where was it, 5? No, I'm sorry, Romans 4. There we go, Romans 4. It says, 4.18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept on hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and this brought glory to God. 
he was fully convinced that God is able to, uh, to do whatever he promised. I feel like God is looking for some people that could be some fully convinced of what he said. I think the problem, there's a couple problems. Do you have any dreams you're believing for? Okay, good. If you don't have a dream you're believing for, then I think you need to get one. Like, I, I have some, but I, I, like I said, God said to me, you laid them down, pick them back up. And, and it's interesting because we kind of get, I have so many blessings in my life, and I'm busy with them. But who knows, if you don't believe for more and the next thing, more people, the more you believe for, the more people are going to get touched by your life. Destiny Church, right here. Stephen Trish, Pastor Stephen Trish, did not stand in faith, did not hold out. Let me tell you, there was hard times. If they didn't, when, they, when God said, go up to Ashby and start a Bible study, if they would have gone, that's crazy, okay? That's crazy. That is no, nowhere. That's nowhere. We don't want to do that. Who knows that we wouldn't be sitting here right now? I mean, you are experiencing someone had faith and believed what God said. You're experiencing that right here. And now we got the prophetic word. You're not in the middle of nowhere. You're in the middle of somewhere. You're in the middle of where God is doing something. Amen? And you might, you might not be committed to Destiny Church. Don't worry about it. Let me just tell you something. Those that are, say, call this your home, are we going to believe what God has said for the future of this church? You know, maybe you have a dream for something. Are you going to mix faith with that which, with what God had says, has said, is saying? We have prophetic words that this church will be a, a church of a thousand, thousands. We have many prophetic words. And we're living in, we're living in what somebody believed. Someone said yes to God. I believe you. I'll go through the hardships. I'll go through the famine, and I'll keep believing. And we're experiencing that right now. And I just feel like God wants to do some unusual things in this earth. And maybe you have a heart for the nation, America. Maybe you have a heart for Minnesota. Maybe you have a heart for Ashby or one of your cities. And my question to you is, will you grab a promise... And will you say, no matter what, I'm not giving up on this. All of Ashby is going to be saved. All of Elba Lake is going to be saved. Alexandria is going to experience a revival. Fergus Falls is going to experience a revival. Minnesota will be the start of a revival. And the Mississippi runs down. There's a prophetic word about that. There's also a prophetic word about the blood that runs from the West Coast to the East Coast into the White House. Are we going to believe those things? Or are we going to be like, yeah, it's a bunch of crap. We're moving on with our life. You know, I've got good things going on. I have a business to run. Or are you going to go, God, Abraham held on. And we're experiencing what he held on to. Hey, I'm excited about this because I know what God said it. Are we going to mix faith with what God said? 
one of the questions that come up is, we, the devil loves to add a, put a question mark around the goodness of God. And I just want to encourage you, don't question the goodness of God. The goodness of God is very clear. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. When God blessed somebody in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it looked the same. They're healthy, they're whole, they're happy, they joy, they have peace. God's goodness is for you. It's coming after you. I want us not to question the goodness of God when we dream. I, I was talking to a young man. I know I'm, I hope I'm not talking too fast here, but I was talking to a young man this week, and I, I was really encouraged by his story. Not, not this last week. It was this last month. And he was saying how um, he, he felt God was calling him to a different town to help start a ministry. And so he said yes to the call, and him and his family picked up. They sold their house. They moved. And they spent over a year helping start this ministry. And he left reluctantly because he had, he had the, his favorite job. He was living his dream. He, he was like, I'm living my dream. I love my job. I'm, I, I love what I'm doing, but I feel God's calling me. And in a year and a half, he felt like, he, he said, the, the, the time I spent felt like a desert, even though I felt like God did call me. He goes, it was a very difficult season for many different reasons. And in, one, in a year and a half time, he said, I felt released to leave what I had joined. And, and, in, and then that moment, I checked back with my job, and no one had filled the position. So they gave me the job back, but they gave me more than I had before. That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God right there. And that's what, that's some of the things Abraham experienced. He went through, and he went through weird seasons. He hit a, the moment God said go, what did he run into? A famine. Why is that? God uses the experiences and the things we go through to shape you, to get you ready for your promised land, to get you ready for the answer. Who knows what I'm saying? You following me? And that was the, one of the things that stuck out to me about that man's story is he said, God is so good, and I knew the whole time that God' goodness, the goodness of God, was still following us. He never questioned the goodness of God, even though it became difficult, there felt dryness, all these things. But God used it, and then he brought him right back. His same position became a promotion for him. Unusual. That was my point to that story. Unusual things. God will take you out of your season. You go, I love my life, I love all this stuff. But God will do something crazy. Why did he take you away? Why didn't he just figure it out? Because he's, he's shaping you. He's getting you to trust him. He's trying to get the doubt out of you, the fear out of you. In Mark 11, one of the things Jesus said to us, one of the things that Jesus said, He said, you really must believe with no doubt in your heart. 
If you stand and believe and you don't doubt in your heart, you will have whatever you say. The word doubt is, my wife made a note in the Bible, thank you, honey, is the word undivided or divided. So he's saying don't have an undivided heart. Don't be divided. Don't question. Well, is it, is it God? What, what happened here? Don't question the goodness of God. Don't doubt that. Who knows what I'm saying? Don't doubt the thing that God said to you. Don't doubt the promise that he's given you. Don't put a question mark there. Where God made a statement, don't put a question mark. Amen? One of my heroes, heroes in this life when I was alive, is Reinhard Bonnke. Um, <clears throat> Reinhard Bonnke died in 2019. Does anybody know him? Okay. He has an amazing autobiography, if, you, if you've read it. Um, something about fire. But it's like 600 pages, and I could not put the book down, and I read it a second time, or I got through most of it a second time. I mean, I just consumed that book. It's amazing, his passion for God. And I was fortunate enough to go down to Chicago for the Jesus Culture in 2015, and we heard him preach. And when he spoke, it like every word he said shook me to the core. The whole time, I was just, I couldn't stop myself from crying. I wasn't like, ah, but I was like, just like every word he said, it just like another tear came down. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. He just had such power. And so I really respect him and the life he lived. And, um, one of the things Reinhard Bonnke did, now think about this. He, he began to minister in Africa, and God said to him, he said, he showed um, Reinhard a blood-washed Africa. And then he said to him, he said, all of Africa will be saved. Now, if I heard that, it would be one thing if I heard like an audible, booming voice. I think sometimes we, we, we get this, we misunderstand a few things. The experience Abraham and Sarah had, sometimes God appeared to them, but sometimes I, I feel like maybe they just heard, they saw a vision. But you know how you can doubt those things after they happen? How many of you have doubted what you experienced? I experienced God, but I mean, did I? I mean, I don't know. Let's move on. If it was real, God will come back and revisit me. Okay. All right because I don't want to make a fool out of myself here, right? You guys don't want to make a fool of yourself, do you? Yes, you do. Okay. Um, but Ryan Arbanke heard God say that to him, and he said, he began to declare it. All of Africa will be saved. Now, do you have the guts to do that? Do you have the guts to hear God, the still small voice, and then when you, whatever you heard God say, you just begin to declare it. You go, yeah, but I mean, Africa is a big continent, and, and you know, it's kind of a stronghold for different religions. Reinhard, I don't, just tone it down a little bit. Let's see how it goes. Let's do a few crusades, and let's feel the people out, okay? You don't want to die, right? You could make them mad. No, he's just like, I don't care. God said it. 
I'm going to start declaring this thing. So you just begin to go like, Africa, all of Africa will be saved. God said it. I'm going to believe it. For his ministry, they claimed 80 million signed cards. Right at this point, I think it's 80, I don't know if it's 83 million. They have a count on their website. 83 million just from there. And that's people who signed a card. And they had a percentage of like, I think it was somewhere around 80% that would actually join a church too. Like would contact a pastor afterwards. You know, before he died, he came back to America and he began to declare this. All of America will be saved. And I, he said that at the Chicago, this big stadium. He said, all of America will be saved. And this big, booming voice, it just shook me. I tell you what, it's an experience listening to that man. I'm just so fortunate to be able to hear his voice. But he said it. He said the exact same thing about America. You know, and the other thing that God's been saying to me lately is, he says, watch your tongue. Not like, look at your tongue, right? I know Matt was a Matt joke there. Um, watch what you say. How often do we, we say, well, God said this, and the next moment we're cursing America. We say, well, we're believing for our politicians to turn around and God to do a revival in the White House or this or that or this, and then we go, that was darn, beep, beep, beep. I mean, I'm just as frustrated as you are in some scenarios, but come on. You either, you either repeat what God says or shut your, right? I mean, because if God's doing something, let's get on the same train at midnight. <laughs> Never mind. All right. No, God's been saying to me, you pray that, but then you say that. Talking about the problems in America is not solving the problems. It's people that see the problem and then begin to say the opposite, begin to believe the opposite. I mean, I, I found myself, I was like, I've talked about this same problem probably to 20 people, and nowhere along the way did I say, God's going to change it. God's going to turn it around. We're going to see a different America. I said, I'm just talking about the problem. I'm not, even, I'm not even believing God for the change. What a waste of time. What a waste of time, Sam. You're going to get to the end of your life, and you're going to be kicking yourself if you don't start believing the truth. If you, however you want to get the truth from God, you want to hear it in the still small voice, or if you want to believe Reinhard Bonnke, but America will be saved. We will see a different America. Like Abraham, it might take 6,000 years, but guess what? I'm going to die believing that God's going to do a miracle, that God's going to send a revival. Right? And it's kind of that thing, that how, but how is he going to do it? See, Sarah was going, but how is he going to do it? I'm 90, or I'm this old, and Abraham, you're getting really wrinkly. You can barely move. How are we going to get this done? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just help God out here, because we don't know the how. She was trying to figure out the how. Abraham and her going, but how and when? How, though? How is that going to work? Can you just hear him having that conversation in the tent? 
There are 500 servants outside. It's getting awkward. But how? Abraham, logist, it just doesn't work. Abraham's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I swear I heard him. I, I, I'm positive I had that vision. It's been a long time. You know, we've been doing our part. He's not doing his part. He's preventing me, she said. Okay? And the how and the when. Listen, don't put a timeline on God's promise to you. You guys hear me? Don't put a timeline on what God promised. You know, I was, I, I was thinking about the, women, the woman with the issue of blood. I don't know all the internal conversations she had for 12 years, but you know she went to doctor to doctor. She spent all of her money. She just kept trying. She was, she was believing that this isn't her life. She could have a different life. 12 years she waited for the answer. But guess what? She was still believing. 12 years. Can you believe something for 12 years? Can you have an illness for 12 years and go, it doesn't matter. God's still going to come through for me. This is not my life. God has a different life for me. So it can be something as simple as your health simple. But who knows, if you're not healthy, you're not living life to the fullness. And in that moment, Jesus was passing by. And she said, nothing's going to stop me from touching him. I believe that if I can touch him, I will be made whole. And she pushed, she pushed through the crowd. They said that like 50,000 people would follow Jesus. 50,000 people would, would be surrounding Jesus. The crowd she had to push through to get her healing. But she knew if I could get there, I'll have my healing. For 12 years, I just, I think God wants us to begin to imagine a new future for our church, for our families, for our country. That nothing is impossible for God. Take the limits off of what you can believe for. I was thinking this church, there's unusual things. This church is built around a farmhouse. Whenever I show people, they're like, oh, really? Huh. Weird. In the middle of a cornfield and around a farmhouse. Huh. But you know what? It's unusual. And you know how much more unusual God's going to do in our midst? Believe. Start believing for it. Some of you have been here for 40-some years. But God has not taken back his promises. God has said, yeah, well, I don't know. You made that one mistake, so I'm going to cancel that out. We'll try with a different group. We'll try someone else. You're, you're kind of a mess. And what he said to you, he's going to do.
That's all I have for you. Can you close your eyes right now? God, I ask you to birth dreams inside our hearts tonight, today. There's nothing special about Abraham and Sarah except for this one thing that they would believe God and they wouldn't give up on the promise. And I know that because one of the first things Abraham did too was he lied. God called him and then he goes, Sarah, let's just lie to the, the Egyptians, tell them you're my sister. I mean, this guy was the most normal person. There was nothing special about him. He was just a person. But he is the one who God used to to bring the covenant, the, the, the Christian life we're living. He used Abraham to bring that to pass in the earth. He needed to find someone who would believe him. I just, I wish we could get that. God, break down the walls of our tradition. God, break down the boxes that we put you in. No politician is going to stop poverty. The war on poverty, it's going to be stopped by a believer that believes God. It's going to be a Christian that says, God, you can do it. I agree with my faith right now. And nothing will stand in my way. I don't doubt it that you will stop poverty in this earth. The corruption in the world. You can do it, God. I mix my faith with it. Big things like that, Abraham believed bigger than that, and God brought it to pass because of one man's belief. I'm just saying, why are we not believing for the crazy, the unusual, the radical, the impossible? Why are we not doing it? Why aren't we? Come on, somebody! Why can't revival every single person in our small towns come to know Jesus like that? Why can't that happen? God's too small. God's not big enough. His arm's not strong enough. Oh, he doesn't want to. His goodness is not big enough. It's strong enough. His kindness is not chasing everyone down. No, he wants it more than we do. He's just looking for someone to say, yes, God, do it now. Do it through me. Come on. You can do it. It's nothing in your ability. It's all in his. It just needs someone to say, God, I'm going to hold on to this like a bulldog until I see it come to pass. I'm latching on to this thing. It might be a kid. It might be a grandchild. It might be a person you've been seeing. Latch on and hold on to it. See, my testimony is a testimony of not how great Sam is. But I have parents and grandparents who decided to follow Jesus. 
no matter the cost. No matter the cost. And someone went through hell. I mean, they went through hell. But they latched on and they said, Jesus, I'm going to have a different heritage after me. There's going to be different. My family's not going to be alcoholics. My family's not going to be abusive. My family's not going to have these problems. Addiction broken. That was somebody in my family who decided this is changing. And they latched on. Depression. Suicidal thoughts. We aren't going to have it. In fact, this place is going to be a, a beacon of hope for healing, for depression, for suicide, suicidal thoughts, people that have mental illness. This place will be a beacon of hope. I just speak that right now, that people are going to come in wheelchairs and they're going to leave walking. And we will see the dead raised, by the way, too. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm going to be someone who's crazy enough to believe unusual things. I'm just saying that. I'm going to believe it. I don't have to be crazy to believe it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to latch on and I'm going to go, God, if you're looking for someone, you're going to find faith here. Remember Jesus said that about the centurion. He said, in all of Israel, I haven't found faith like this. Even amongst my own people, I haven't found faith like this. Jesus was looking for faith. He was walking around. He's just looking for someone with faith. Ha, ah, faith. And then he pointed out, he goes, look at this faith. This is amazing. Jesus is looking for faith. Someone will believe. Someone will take the boxes, the limits off, and go, God's, give me a dream. Give me something to believe for. I know I'm still preaching. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you, God. I just want to. I just want to say this. This is how I saw this ending, and I'm not. I, I just saw that God wanted me to ask this question, and I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to respond. The prayer is, Lord, I release dreams from heaven. God, I ask you for your dreams. I ask you for your visions to drop down into hearts, to, to be manifest in our hearts by the Holy Spirit right now. God, I ask you begin to speak to our hearts. What are we supposed to believe for? What do you want us to believe for? What do you want us to latch on to, Lord? Crazy, unusual, impossible, God, we're willing. Now, God speaks quickly, so I just want to say, if you have something you're, you're going to be standing and believing for, I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to stand up. I'm not going to have you come up and share it or anything. I just want you to respond to the Holy Spirit. And this is not going to be heavy. This is not going to be a burden, because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He's going to do it. We just mix faith with it. We say, we speak in agreement with what he said. So if you've got something, I just want you to respond to it, and then we're going to sing this song. Yeah.
You sing a song? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Come on up. I'm just going to count to three. Some of you already stood, but one, two, three. There's something you're believing for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It can be small or big. Just thank you, Lord. We're going to sing this song together. Something I've always longed for, believed for, is that the hearts of the fathers would return back home again. And about a month ago, Saturday morning, I had a big schedule, but God messed with it, and he gave me this song. So I just gave myself to it. and These were the lyrics, and it was inspired by a song that Bob Dylan wrote back in the 60s called The Times. They are a-changing. And I think, and I believe, they are changing once again. Come mothers, come fathers, come daughters and sons, come to the waters, new song to be sung, for the prophet is spoken, in his words cannot fail, the tearing down the altars, the altars of Baal. There's a shift in the wind all across the land for the times they are changing. Oh, there's a kingdom that's come built without human hands and it's growing a mountain till it covers the land in the first institution that was put into place the one that these cultures try so hard to erase will again be established all through the land for the hearts of the fathers are coming back home again. And you say, how, how can it be? But I'm here to declare the year of jubilee for the unseen's eternal and this temporal can last. For the times they are changing For the unseen's eternal This temporal can last For the times that they are changing 
I've been waiting to hear this message for a long time, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Back in, I don't know exactly what year it was, the late 80s, probably 1990, somewhere in that neighborhood. We had a group here, the Hunters, Charles and Francis Hunter, and they had a healing explosion. And we were all taught things about healing. They had a book to heal the sick. In the front of that book, there was a vision. A vision that Francis Hunter had had, but a much more detailed one that Tommy Hicks, who was a minister in Canada at the time had had. He'd had his vision in 1962. Francis had hers 30 years later or 25 years later. A couple years after that, we were at a meeting at Living Word Church in Brooklyn Park with Jim Caseman. And Jim Caseman had had a very similar vision. They were all saying pretty much the same thing, that revival is coming, that the church one day would rise up and come alive. They seen the church as a sleeping giant at the time, but it would rise up and all the demons that were holding it down would be shook off and the church would stand up. And as the church stood up and became alive, Jesus appeared and would point his finger at this person and at that person, and he said they saw like fire coming out of his fingers. And these people would be healed, they would be changed, and they would go out. They saw the church. All of a sudden, that giant became millions of people going throughout the world preaching the gospel and healing the sick. From the first time I read that vision, I was crying out to God to be part of that vision, to be one of those who was touched and who went out to preach and to heal the sick. I'm 82 years old. And I was asking, not so long ago, is this still possible? Can I still do it? It wasn't many days after that when I was listening to a CD by Lance Walno. Lance is one of God's prophets. He lives in Dallas, Texas. He's gone throughout the world teaching in some of the highest circles and highest levels in our country. But anyway, one of the things he spoke out, he was, teach, he was speaking out that is, the church is right now rising up. The church is right now coming alive. That we're in an awakening. 
And one of the things he spoke out in this prophecy was that God is extending the lives of the older folks at this time. He's extending their life. He said in the past, the old folks kind of sat and watched the young people as they came alive. We saw this in the Jesus movement. We saw it in other movements of revival. But he said this time, instead of standing and watching the young folks work, God is restoring their health, restoring their strength. That he's extending their lives and they're all going to be working together. And we're all going to be part of this harvest. We're all going to be part of it. Sam, thank you. Thank you for a message I've been waiting for. It was good. 